Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Jill Michelle Melian's mother's Irish and her father's Bolivian, but she grew up in Miami surrounded by Cubans, all of which makes her white Latina, the title of her first full stand-up special out now via Comedy Dynamics. Jilly talks to me about catching her first big break by standing in for J-Lo on set for the 1998 film Out of Sight, which brought her to Hollywood and got her a sad card. Jilly talks me through the lean years, the heights of becoming Mad TV's first and only Latina cast member, and how she kept going in the years following that gig and Reno 911. Jilly put many of those life, love, and career struggles into a feature film she wrote, produced, and starred in called This Is Meg. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! How's it going? Hi, how are you? Hi, welcome. Jill Michelle Melian. Yes, it's so sexy. No? Um, <laughs> so last things first, I want to start with a question sure. that only makes sense if you've already seen White Latina. Okay. Um, and it's not about you per se, but I feel like if anyone has enough perspective and thoughts about Kate Beckinsale and Pete Davidson, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be you. <laughs> Well, I would first say, go her. Yeah, that's what I have to say. You know, go girl. Yeah, because she looks great. I right. mean, seriously. I mean, I would date her, and I'm not even a lesbian, so there you go. Um, not enough water. No, exactly. More water, please. Thank you. you. You've seen it. You know what's up. You've seen my Latina. You get it. I went to college. Whatever. But, well, see, but you joke about dating younger guys. Yes. So does it make sense to you? Well, it would doesn't. Would you date Pete Davidson? He's really hot. Um, and I can see where the attraction is there. Long term, no. I, I, you know, of course, I think with anybody, there gets to a certain point where it's, there is a division. It's kind of like when you date outside your culture. Mm-hmm. Unless you kind of adapt to the other culture or whoever is, you know, being the top culture, whoever's going to, you know, more dominant, um, then you kind of just grow apart from each other. Um, because I've dated different cultures too. And at first it's exciting and it's new and it's like, oh yeah, this is so cool. Like, and then you're like, we're very different. Like we're so different. So I don't know. Um, you know, uh, she's really busy. Um, so it might work. Um, you know, <laughs> cause then you see each other's like honeymoon and then, right. you know, go away. There's not enough time together exactly. for it to get it's like the Real? Titanic, you know, you make love, you have, you right. can't, you die before there's a first fight, you know, it's kind of that kind of thing. She's got to go away to do another project. Well, in Titanic, they did have a, have a first fight and he died. Well, but, but it, <laughs> they still were like, I love you, you know. Because he could have gotten on the, on the door. Oh yeah. But that was like, that was a hero fight. (laughs) That was like, that was a very, very Latin fight. Like, no, I'm doing this for you. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, you felt alone. Yes. (laughs) But see, I mean, the truth is out that you're not all Latina. You're white Latina. I'm a white Latina. When does the, when does the Irish side come out? Um, when I'm drinking. (laughs) Why not? Um, you know, it's interesting because there is this controversy with there are some Latin people that 
are, it, it's, it, it is weird because mm-hmm. there'll be some Mexican people that are, you're not Latin because I'm not Mexican. But then Frida Kahlo wasn't, uh, or Kahlo, uh, wasn't Mexican either. Like oh. her parents were German and Spanish. Interesting. And so she did all this stuff for, uh, the Mexican, uh, culture and society that, and the community that then she came, became this Mexican icon. So if you want to break it down, we can really break it down. That's how I feel. I'm always like, no, it's it just, you're representing your culture and you're representing, like, for me, growing up in Miami, I identify a lot with Cubans. Yeah. And so I'm not Cuban. I'm Irish and Bolivian, um, more South American, but I identify with Cubans because I grew up there. And that's, uh, you know, I speak Spanglish like them, you know, the, that whole how thing. Is, how is that biracial debate different from uh, debates when the half of you is black? Because I know for those, you know, we always tend to say it's, well, whatever color your skin is, right. that's what you are, no matter whether you're biracial. Isn't that but interesting? But for a Latino... Well, usually, you know, there's... And that's what we... It's, it's, it's not quite as broken down like it's that. It's not. And that's why there's this weird, like, um, you know, excuse my pun, your gray area, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I go in for that are Latin, and I joke about it in my stand-up, um, I have to put hoop earrings on and put a Latin accent, because if not, they're like... What's this white girl doing in here? But the minute I go like this and I thought like that, you know, it it sells it. But just on my picture or just me walking into a room, they're like, she's not Latin. Um, And that's the difference when there's a mix of a black and white person, uh, um, African-American, Caucasian, to be correct. Um, If they're darker skin and more have more of the African-American features, they're automatically black. And it's not a no, no question. How did you identify when you were growing up in Miami? With Latin, yeah. And the funny thing is I didn't even realize that I identified with Latin until I moved out to Los Angeles, and there were all these other different cultures here, and then I really experienced real white people, like Ohio, Idaho, and like, you're like, oh, oh my gosh, that's yeah. that's white, um, because the color of my skin, um, when I first moved out there, they would say, what are you? And I'm like, white? Like, because I didn't know what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, God, I am not. I am. I just look that way. But inside, I'm very Latin. And, you know, I realized that after I dated my first rogue white guy and I pulled out the knife like I always do. And then he really, he was like, I'm going to call the cops and freaking out. I was like, oh, dude, I'm not going to use it. And I put it away. I was like, oh, my God, like I've done this my whole life. You know, I saw my mom do it. Like, what is wrong with you? It's just my move. Yeah, it's just dramatic. And it looks like a, you know, like really cool, like a telenovela. Like, I was that's just going to all- say, has, you've never seen a telenovela? Exactly. It's like, no. Did I need the music see- playing in the background? Right. Cue the music. That would have been way better. How... Uh, how developed was your comedy career when you moved to LA? Um, it, you know, it wasn't. I was more sketch comedy, and I was more of a mm-hmm. dramatic actress, believe it or not. I toured with the Coconut Grove Playhouse, and um, I, you know, I, I played a very serious role um, on the tour. And sketch comedy arised because I've always been funny. Growing up, I realized very young that mm-hmm. humor lets people it makes people leave you alone. Um, that you can, you know, no matter how mad somebody is at you, if you can get them to crack a smile, they will back off. So I realized that was very powerful as a kid, especially with my my grandmothers that were very strict. And, you know, they I was always in trouble because I, you know, I'm, I'm hyperactive and, and stuff like that. So um, when I'd make them laugh, uh, it made me feel good. But you didn't so. think of stand-up at, back no, then? No, no, no. So as as... 
in Miami, there really wasn't any, um, there wasn't really many stand-up venues. You know, there was like, I think the Comedy Union, no, something, I forgot what it was, Comedy Zone, I think it was called, in South Beach, and then there was um, Uncle Funny's in Fort Lauderdale, Um, but there wasn't much, and so Sketch became more my thing. I auditioned for like a sketch group and got into that, and then we were touring around, and um, I remember Out of Sight came into town uh, with Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney, the movie. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so in my in Florida, you have like 17 agents, you know, because it's a right-to-work state. You don't have just like one agent. So, um, so I, was what, 2000? This was right before. No, he was like, wait, Out of Sight was a few years before that. Was it? Um, yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, we'll have to Google it or something. Um, but... That came into town, and one of the agents called and said, hey, Jennifer Lopez needs a stand-in. And I was like, ooh, I want to go. I want to go. So I went, and I got it. And um, as I'm, like, I became friends with everybody, they're just like, why don't you have your SAG card? Um, And I'm like, well, because I live here, and it's a non-union. Everything's non-union. And so they flew me out here to Los Angeles, and I sat in a trailer for three days at the Universal lot. And um, and that's a great movie. And it's a great movie. I mean, yeah, you don't see me because I was like a stand-in, but um, but yeah, I I completely you with the body double and I got to be like sexy. I got to be all. Oh no, that was all her. <laughs> in my goofy ass, they've been like, stop gyrating that way, like. <laughs> like, but isn't this George, sexy? Mm. George doesn't appreciate it. Yeah. You're making him laugh too much. (laughs) Okay, so so they flew you out for the gig. So for the gig, just so I could get my SAG card. Mm -hmm. And then I got my SAG card, and that's when I came back to Miami, and I told my mom and my dad, you know, because they're divorced, of course, So, um, but I told them in separate houses Mm -hmm. um, that I'm going to move to Los Angeles. And my mom said, please give me six months to prepare for that. So I I did. I stayed there for six months. I kept the tour with Coconut Playhouse. Mm -hmm. I finished out. And then I moved here not knowing anyone. I was just about to ask. Not, not anybody. Because those people are all huge. They're off on that yeah. movie that I had met. So they're like, what are you going to do? Like, oh, come, can I come over? You could babysit me. Right. Like, wh- I, so you I was. get Ving Rhames' phone number? No, or? no. I was stupid. <laughs> now I think about it and I would have been like, I will date whoever is on this cast. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Zahn? Yeah, anyone. Come on. Uh-huh. Um, I was. I look back and I go, man, I've slept with the wrong people in this town. Uh, <laughs> darn it. Um, but yeah, I uh, so came out here. So what was your here. plan? So my, I didn't have a plan. I came out here with this gut instinct. Mm-hmm. and You're going to make it. I was like, it wasn't even what I was going to make it. It wasn't about fame. Mm-hmm. It was about, since a kid, I was like, I want to do that. I would point to the television and point to films, and I'd come back and reenact movies. And I said, I want to do that. And my parents were like, no, you get married, you have kids. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. So it was more proving my parents wrong is what got me, motivated me to get out here. And then I cried myself to sleep for three years. Like, I lived off credit cards. I stood in open mic lines with homeless people mm-hmm. because I wanted to audition for a sketch group. Okay. And they were like, yeah, no, you enroll in the Ground Lanes Improv Olympics, mm-hmm. Second City. So I did that. But I was like, I already went to college. What's happening? You know, um, but... Where were you living? Did you have roommates? I, or no, I lived on a little tiny studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sad. <laughs> like, really, like, just sad but after three years of really hitting it hard um and just 
just hoping and praying. And I was going back to Miami a lot, though, during that time. I think like every three months I was going back and staying for a couple of weeks because it was just so hard to adjust. Um, but then... Go back uh, and like uh, regroup, rejuvenate. Yeah, like kind of a reminder of like why I left, you know, and, and it makes you go, okay, I have more energy now to go right. back and, and go a little harder and... Like yeah. a pep talk. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because they're Regroup still, and go, okay, what am I doing? Well, oh, yeah. But it's like weird, <laughs> going though. LA, I'm, I'm going to make it. Exactly. But it's a weird feeling because it wasn't like a pep talk. It was a pep talk for me. But right. my parents and everybody were more of like, okay, now you're home. Stay here. Don't go back. We mm-hmm. got you. You know, my family was bribing me, you know, like, we'll get you a new car, like all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, no, I, I will be miserable if I stay here. Um, and then that would push me to go back. And, yeah, and from that, I uh, got uh, started doing, the, the like, a Latino Laugh Festival. Mm-hmm. And I started meeting people, and we it connected. And then um, from Latino, this is the best thing. You'll love this. You never know who's who. Like, that's what I love about Los Angeles. You can have somebody with, like, just ripped jeans, dirty shirt, whatever, and they could be, like... <clears throat> The head of a network, you know? Mm. That's what I, I love. There's right, no the suits stereo. aren't in suits. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so you can't tell who's a big producer or casting person. or You can't. And my, my dad, because of being from South America, thinks that wearing khakis and an Izod and, like, penny loafers mm-hmm. is the American successful man. And I'm like, no, that's the gap. And, you know, you that's a <laughs> blockbuster. <laughs> you know, remember back then? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Um, Best Buy is blue shirt. Best Buy, right. Target yeah, is Best red Buy. shirt. Yeah. Or Target is red shirt and khakis. Red shirt and khakis. Mm. There you go. American dream. Oh. Um, but, yeah, so okay, there so was... you're at this Latino... I'm at this festival. festival. And uh, there's this uh, lady in the audience, mm-hmm. and she came up to me and another comic, Sandra Valls, who I'm still really good friends with till this day. Uh, she's part of that LGBTQ, double LP, whatever community, mm-hmm. and uh, which they, she's like a goddess over there, hilarious. Um, and we were hanging out, met this woman in the audience, loved her. She was so cool. No idea who she was. She was just awesome. And I get back to L.A. and I get a call and it's from Nickelodeon Studios. And they're like, we want you to come in an interview to be a bump up writer on a show. And I was like, no, I think you have the wrong number. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, aren't you a comic? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, do you write your own material? I'm like, yeah. They're like, yeah, we want to see you. Come on in. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's how I got my first job. And uh, from there. Um, Wait, so what festival yeah. were you at? The Latino Laugh Festival in San Antonio, in Texas. In San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. I don't even think they have it anymore. I haven't even heard about it. Yeah. If not, they haven't invited me back. So. <laughs> and was the Nickelodeon gig in L.A. or in Miami? Because L.A. Because I know that they have... It was in L.A. Um, they have studios in Miami also. Yeah. Well, they, now, remember, this is back way back. Oh, way back in the day. So the, Miami has blossomed now. Um, I think people can actually live there and have an acting career now. Um, but at the time, it was like, you have to be in L.A. Okay, like, so so what did you end up writing for? Um, a show called Taina, Taina. And it was a live action um, show. Mm-hmm. Uh very much like That's So Raven. So That's So Raven came out afterwards okay. um, because uh, they ended up canceling the Nickelodeon show, unfortunately, which was such a shame. There was a lot of politics that happened. Um, but then 
that's where Raven came out on Disney and it just blew up. And mm-hmm. I was like, that was our show. Dang it. You know, <laughs> that's but, so Raven. I know that's so Raven of you. <laughs> mm, whatever. <laughs> but now you had, uh, you had sad card and now you have a TV writing gig. Yeah. Did you feel like you were in the door? Did you feel? No, I still to this day, I, I never feel, and I'm sure every comic Even is the you same. Live in Beverly Hills. I live in Beverly Hills. It's funny because my father will come and visit me and he's like, you know, one day when you have a house and I'm like, dad, this is like a mortgage payment. My <laughs> like little townhouse. Okay. Like there's, um, unless you have $1.7 million, yeah. you can't buy a house mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And that's like a two bedroom house. <laughs> yeah. Same goes for New York city. Right. So how did uh, mad TV come about? So Mad was now I'm I'm writing on that show um, and I'm still doing stand up and now stand up has become more of um, more more than sketch. So, so you're I, not standing in line with the homeless. You st- the well, you're you're not. I'm not standing in line with the homeless open mic, but I'm having to hang out a lot at the mm. clubs, doing all that kind of stuff. What was your club? Did you have? A I place? started at the comedy store. Okay. I started in the in the belly room and then. Um, and then from there, I was at the Laugh Factory a lot, in the Ice House a lot. I mm-hmm. love the Ice House. Um, that's like such an ego booster if you ever need one. Um, it's just such a great, the acoustics in that place are just wonderful. Um, and then that was my thing. Um, I just And the improv, every once in a while, it was harder to do to get into the improv because I was such a young comic. Um, but I was doing a lot of impressions because since I came from the sketch world, um, that's what I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a voice yet as just being a comic. And uh, Mad TV um, was watching me for like a year and a half. They would bring me in. Did you know it? Okay, so you knew they were watching you. Yeah, they were watching me. They'd come down to, to do it, see a set, mm-hmm. and then um, they would bring me in, and I'd have to do like pretty much like a one-woman show because you have to do all these characters right. and stuff for them. And then um, then I wouldn't hear back, and then six months later, same thing, and then six months later, same thing. And then that time, I went back like, oh, God, a handful of times. I had to do all those characters each time. And then finally, they were just like, you know what? We'll give her an on-air test. Mm-hmm. And I did, and it blew up. And from there, I immediately was made a cast member. And I was just tremendous. What do you suppose was the difference between the other times you auditioned and the time that they decided to... They needed a girl. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about sketch comedy groups is it's about the mix. Yeah. Yep. And I, I was in that ethnic that, category. I've heard that so much... Particularly about Saturday Night Live, I've talked to people who have auditioned and not gotten it, and they go, well, it's because they already have this person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So unless this person leaves, they're not going to hire me. It's true. And I always find that to be bizarre, but then if you think about it in terms of a team, Mm -hmm. you don't want But it's that way with everything, too, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's like Disney and Nickelodeon, they don't cast the parents until the kids are cast. And then they see, does that look like a family? Then mm-hmm. they bring those in, they look, and it's with every show. Like, I know, like, when I look at, when I'm going in for something and I look at the lead, and if she kind of looks like me, I got to change my look up a little bit because I won't get it if I come in and I look just like her. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll be like, well, no, you know, so you have to take all those things into consideration. It's so much politics. It's not the best person gets it all the time. Did you, how much did you know at the time when you got Mad TV that you were the first Latina 
What do you mean? On the show. How did I know? No, did, oh. did you, like, how much did you know at the time that you were, like, breaking a barrier? You know, I, I didn't. Demographics-wise. I, I, you know, I, I didn't realize it, um, that I was breaking any type of barrier mm. until I believe after the show, realizing that that's a credit that I will have forever, you know, that I can say I was the first and only Latina cast member. There has been other people that have come on mm. and been featured right. and everything, but to be able to say that, it's like so awesome. You know, I've been saying that now for 10 years and getting bookings. So I'm going to just keep on saying it. So well, you know, talking about <laughs> SNL, I mean, SNL has been on the air over 40 years and there's still right. something, some <laughs> demographics they've never had as a cast member. That's true. So. You're very right. And I wish like they would like, they would re-air a lot of the Mad TV sketches because they were just so fun. They're timeless, you yeah. know? You were on and season seven and eight. Seven, seven, and eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was it was a ball. I'll tell you, lights, camera, action. I am anything in this business. Lights, camera, action. I love politics. I'm not that great at you know because I am Latin and mm-hmm. I come from a, a world of um, not confrontation. But if you got a problem with me, talk to me. And people don't want to talk to you about stuff here. They're mm-hmm. just very, you know. It, they're just like, oh, no, it's fine. And you're just like, no, 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 I know something's wrong. Talk to me. We can just, like, squash this. But no, no, it's okay. It's fine. Like, <laughs> And then you never find out what... The- never. You never... New Yorkers are a little different, yeah. you know? I like that. Blunt. <laughs> I like blunt. I handle blunt very well. Um, so as you, as you joke about in White Latina... Um, some of your biggest impersonations on Mad TV were white girls. Yeah, blonde. I'm <laughs> yeah, starting. Yeah, blonde white yeah. girls. And I'm starting to turn blonde because of the grays now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, yeah. You're hired for, <laughs> in part because you're Latina, but yeah. then it's like, hey. <laughs> And it's so Give funny. Give me Britney Spears. And it was oh, funny because yeah. I would pitch uh, Latin characters mm-hmm. all the time, and they would just not take them. And I was like, oh, but. But that's my grandma, like, oh, sorry, okay, baby, so anyways. And then, no, okay, we're going to do you as Britney. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's Drew and, and. I mean, look. you do a great Britney. Though. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that Britney. <laughs> She's so great. <laughs> Have you seen her on Vegas? In Vegas? No, but she's coming back, and I'm going to see her. Okay. Yeah, I already told my friends in Vegas. I'm like, you get me a ticket. Yeah. Like, you better because I've got to see her. Like, she's she's one of my favorite. I was still with her even when she shaved her head. I was like, yeah, you go. I was like, because she totally did a Latin move. Like, I was like, that's right, Mama. You take out that umbrella, you kick his butt. Okay. <laughs> uh, how did you leave things with Man TV? Was it? You know, it was awkward because I was so young and I didn't know. I let like my people handle the situation. Mm-hmm. Now at my being older and being wiser, I would have communicated a lot better. Um, so when I, I left, it was bittersweet because I didn't understand because my work was really good on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really proud of my work. And, and then I was just gone and I was just, it was hurtful. I went into a severe depression after that. Um, it lasted, even though I was doing, I got Reno 911, I was recurring on that after I was still depressed. Um, because going from being utilized every single day to just saying, no, no thanks anymore, that you're like, but my work is good on there. Right. And I, um, 
And then through the years, I, I realized the politics of it. Um, and I didn't realize that you have to hang out with people when you're on a show or whatever. I was exhausted. I'd go and I'd do my work and I'd leave and I'd go home. And then they would go and do like trips to Vegas and do things. And I'd be like, I'm going to stay because I was tired. Like I, I'm, I guess that type of person that needs to rest a lot. Like, mm-hmm. cause I'm so hyperactive that when I go, I'm at like a hundred. You're a very physical comic. Yes. So yeah. I'm like, have you ah! always been? I always have been, yeah, because I've always been an athlete, so I move constantly. Like, my, I can't sit still. Like, even in school, they would be like, oh, my God. Like, my mom would have to have, like, special permission for me. Like, she needs to, like, go to the back and, like, stretch, you know, just so she can focus better. Because if not, she'll be like, ah, like crazy. Um, so, so, yeah. How do you, so, <laughs> how did you deal with that depression and also just the severe... Sh- shifting of gears of your career you know you're on network television every week for a couple years and then all of a sudden you're not and the friends that i had when i was on the show all disappeared and it was i was part of that kind of that young hollywood crowd and they just all just went away and it was hurtful because that's when i it was like boot camp for living in Los Angeles as an actor. Um, because then I realized that people don't say what they mean here. And I had to really try to find core, valuable, wonderful, transparent um, people. And that took years because the trust was, it was so de- devastating. Um, but I kept going. And that's one thing I believe in this business and in anything in life is like, it's how you deal with it. And even though it did take me some time to come out of it, um, I being in the position that I am in now, even though, yes, we all want major, major success. We want that. Those scripts are coming in are like, no, I won't take that one, but I'll take this one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a dream to be able to be like lining up work for, you know, two years, three years. Um, but I have an appreciation um, working with people that I really, really admire and letting them know how much I admire them and being a support system to them also and bringing my A game every time. So in that, that process of that depression is what I realized is that there's so many other aspects to just being an actor. You can't just show up and do the work and, and expect them to be like, yay, you know, you've got to hang out with them and talk with them and be creative with them and connect with them on a different level. And that's when you're, like in sync, I would call it, you know, because and now I know that because like working now as a producer and writing my own projects, um, I want to hire those friends Mm. that you can shorthand talk with them. You know, they come to set and you don't have to worry. uh, Like, are they going to do something rogue or something that whatever they're going to do is brilliant and they're going to be respectful. So what kept you from not quitting entirely? During that period? I think it goes back to that gut feeling that I had when I moved out here, why I came here in the Mm -hmm. first place. And I felt like if I overcame that and got through that, because I was able to pay off all those credit card debts and everything with Mad TV, I said, it's got to come again. You know, like it's, I just got to keep going because if it came once, Mm -hmm. then it needs to come again. And this time around, it's going to be different. I'm going to treat it differently. But some, but you see a lot of of actors or comedians or performers who decide if they're not if they're not 
ready or willing or to quit, they end up like doing a reality show yeah. or they do a contest show. Which I'm stupid because I said no to last comic standing second year. <laughs> mm-hmm. The producers even asked me, will you do it? I was like, I'm not doing a reality show. <laughs> now I think, oh God, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be a movie star. I don't need reality right, but, TV. Well, but last comic standing was at, le- at least a series about comedy. Exactly. But like, I thought at the time. There are other people who have done like Dancing with the Stars or Survivor <laughs> or like Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother. Tom Green was just yeah raised his profile again by being on Celebrity Big Brother. Well, now it's a different ball game. Now it's publicity, right? You know, now it's just like you know. But that's I, what some people think is okay. If I've been out of the game, mm-hmm. I got to get back in. I guess I've got to embarrass myself on national TV. I got to do if, the Masked Singer. Yep. If, I mean, you do what you got to do if you want to. But you in never the game. thought about. Any of that stuff, and you turned um, down last comic, and I did it at the time. No, mm-hmm. if if it came around to me today, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do the mass stinger. Yep, let's do it. You know, whatever, because work begets work. Mm-hmm. Now it does. It's not everything is kind of like mixed. Where remember, I don't even know if you remember this, but like let's say fifteen years ago, um, you know, we still had SAG and we still had AFTRA, mm-hmm. and oh, right, before the right, and so you had TV stars, and then you had movie stars. And then you had comics. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to, like, they're like, well, you're a TV star. Like, we're not going to bring you over to this film. But now, every like, all the movie stars are over on TV, and, and everything's just, just muddy is now. Work. So work is work. So I would totally do it. Yeah. When did you start writing This Is Meg? I wrote This Is Meg. Um, it's pretty much wrote itself because it's my life. Right. But um, when did you start writing it? Um, I want to say probably... S- 90 days before we started shooting. Oh. Um, because uh, Alex Ferrari, um, I had worked with him. He's a director. I worked with him in the past um, on a short film that I wrote with Larry Hankin. Um, and uh, he gave me a call, and he was just like, hey, listen, um, kind of bored. And um, he's like, <laughs> and I've got my Those post- are the best calls. Aren't they? They are. I love Someone them. else creative calls you and goes, hey, I'm bored. I'm bored. Let's you want to do something? And I was like sure what are you thinking and he was like i don't know i was thinking about something like your life or something like that and i went well i don't want to do a thing about like being a stand-up comic and at Mm -hmm. the end you see it like i just like i can't like i don't want to deal with that i said but why don't we focus on the relationships that are in los angeles because they're so unique and i said i would do that and who i is one of my big idols that i admire so much is seinfeld Mm -hmm. and what he did on his tv show that was so brilliant is that he was the through line and then when these characters came in it was about them right and he supported them um and i thought that's brilliant it takes the pressure off of you as the lead and you're able to be a support system for them um and he was just reacting to everything else that was going on around him so that's what happened with this is meg Mm -hmm. uh so i this is how i wrote it so quickly is because i reached out to key players i reached out to my friends from reno and from mad tv and i said if i wrote you something would you show up for like two (laughs) dollars and they went yeah like this and I, so i went okay so i sat there and i already had characters in my head for them and there were very specific because 
like Holly Wartell, for instance, she's always, she's from Second City, like mm-hmm. Chicago, and she always plays this really like adorable character, like on the Bonnie Hunt show and stuff. She was always adorable. And I know her very well, though, and she can play a bitch really well. Like, <laughs> I've seen her teach classes at Second City. I'm like, oh, damn. I guess, and she's like, no, I'm not like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> so I wrote her as, like, the evil casting director mm-hmm. because in the past that has happened to me where, you know, and every actor has those stories um, where the casting director doesn't even look up at you and you've prepared, you've taken, you know, you've been talking to yourself for three days preparing this character and, you know, you've shut everybody out and canceled things so you could work on this and you show up and you do it and they're like, thanks, bye. And you're like, wait, <laughs> like, I was like, do you guys realize how much effort goes into preparing, you know, to, for, to have an opportunity? Um, so I wanted to show that. Um, and then, you know, Carlos Alas Rocky and I are really close from Reno 911. Uh, he's Officer Garcia on the show. And, you know, that's the movie that we just shot, Witness Infection, um, that we just wrapped on last week, um, a feature. He's uh, also responsible for Yokiro Taco Bell. Yo quiero Taco Bell. That's him. <laughs> yep. And every cartoon you see is his voice. Um, but he's like, he's like my brother on and off, uh, like camera, you know, cause I met him on Reno and we did, I played his sister. And then it was just like, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. Like he's, he is my brother. Like, so what did you write for him? Um, so I wrote him as a spiritual leader because, you know, everyone in LA has a oh, spiritual like, leader. So yes. <laughs> So I, you know, we always goof off because he makes fun of me because I'm always like repeating like Abraham Hicks or Eckhart Tolle to him. And he's always, he's so matter of fact. He's like, okay, whatever. Like, (laughs) so I was like, you're going to play this character that I wrote, this spiritual guru that says really ridiculous things. But you know what? I have to say something um, is that. So after I wrote it, Mm -hmm. the script itself is 35 pages. Because I went to the Reno 911 Curb Your Enthusiasm format. Oh, right, with the improv. Improv. So Mm -hmm. all my friends are improvisers. And I knew they would bring better writing than I would ever do. Mm -hmm. So I told them, these are the points that you have to hit. Um, Here's like a loose script. And let's go have fun. And what Carlos brought to it was tremendous because he did these analogies that were so ridiculous, but it made sense that you're like, I'll follow you. Like, you're not even a real guru. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so great. You know? I want to hang out with you all the time. Yeah. So, but yeah, everyone was special. What, what were you trying to say with the movie about what it's like now for a performer just to try to stand out in an era of social media, of Instagramming and it's, all of that. Everything that goes into trying to have a public presence. You know. When as Kylie a, Jenner is a self-made billionaire. Right? I, it's, it's still a hard thing for me. Um, because as a kid... What I saw was Hollywood glam Mm -hmm. and I saw the fourth wall always, you know, uh, these actors or these comics or whatever, they do a show and they disappear. And there was something beautiful about that. There was something magical about that. Or you didn't know anything about that. Yeah. I love that. And (laughs) now it's different. It's so different. Like 
people and love it when you're in your sweatshirt and sweatpants. Right. And, and it's you sometimes know. expected that you yeah. show all of yourself. Sometimes it always is now. Like I, I find it where it's when bookers now, when they give, they're like, hey, I want you to come out and do a show and blah, blah, blah. And it's this amount of money. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, which used to be good money. But now it's not because you have to do the pre-show greetings and talk to all the people. Mm-hmm. And then after the show, you got to talk to everybody else. And then maybe there's an after party that you mm-hmm. have to attend. and whatever. That's not in the deal. Not in my deal. Right. Maybe Bill Burr has a great deal <laughs> like that. But, you know, with me, it's not. It's all inclusive. And you're just like, I'm going to be so exhausted. Is that money worth it? Like you have to go where you're like, I love doing what I do. But you have to think of the whole thing now because it's not just the show. How much, though, do you feel like you have to be on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook? Every day. Twitter, I'm like, I'm not that good at. Like, honestly, I thought it was a joke when it first came out. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, no one's going to do this. And then it blew up. And I'm losing gigs to people that have a lot of Twitter followers. And I'm like, they're not even funny. Oh, my God. And it was like, damn it, I was dumb because I was like, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. But, but which, So which ones do you do? Um, so I now I'm trying to get, slowly trying to get more active in, in Twitter. I have a lot of um, uh, followers that have been there forever. So now they're like just now starting to go, oh, you're here. Like you're back. Um, uh but I love Instagram because of the photos. I, I love photography. That was my minor in college. And so I love seeing people's pictures, which now it's starting to become more ads, though. Mm. But thank God stories is kind of taking that well, over. Well, I was just about to ask, how yeah. much pressure do you feel to film yourself uh, It's become on a regular basis? It's become more of a uh Is it something you do because daily. you want to do? Or something you do because you feel like you, you have need- to. I have to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that thing of, it's part of it now. You know, uh, it's just our business now. Um, and I had to accept it because at first it was kind of like irritating because you mm. see all the people that, oh, they're successful and this and that. Oh, they just booked this or whatever. And now I know most of it is a facade and I realize it's a business and it's just part of our business. It's like a business card. So I go, okay. And they want to peer in a little bit of your life. And you just, you kind of give them a glimpse. And, you know, which is sad because as a stand-up comic, that was our cool gift that we had is that when you get off stage, if people wanted to have coffee with you, you did your job right. Mm-hmm. You were like, because they connected to you. Right. And now it's through social media. And that's really hard because it's very... It's filtered, <laughs> like literally filtered. <laughs> like right. You're just like, that person does not look like that. I know them. <laughs> yes, there's the filters. There's you choosing what you want people to see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder sometimes, even with, with people that I'm friends with, when I watch their Insta stories, I wonder like what they're really thinking when they're doing it. Mm-hmm. The, the ones who are performers, not the ones who are just... right. Civilians, as we call <laughs> the non-comedians. Well, civilians. <laughs> They're just going, oh, I was at a wedding, so I'm going to take right. 12 Insta stories at this wedding. Right. But other people, I'm like, I feel like they're hostages. Yeah. Almost. It's, uh, and they're showing this, they're showing this, I'm okay, I'm okay, <laughs> like a hostage video. Well, okay, so back to, <laughs> I got to tell you this. Behind the eyes, there's something like, telling me. 
I wish I could not be on Instagram, but I am forced to be on here. I think... And I don't know how much that's me just... I think I, my generation definitely, for sure, and the generation before. The younger generation, right. I think, doesn't that could be know a, what life is without it. That, that, yeah, that could be just my age. Yeah, I think it's us. Generation X and me going, wait, why why are you doing this? Exactly. (laughs) I really think you're kind of like, God, you really, you don't have, like, this is your friends. Like, even, I don't know if you watch. just experience things without having the phone. Right? Like, I've seen people on roller coasters doing videos. I'm like, how are you, like, why aren't you enjoying the ride? And don't you think your phone's going to go flying? Like, you're <laughs> right. so focused. The on... phone's going to fly out of your right. hand. Right. Like, oh, I got to get this. I got to get I got to share this with everybody. Like, what? Like, yeah. you know, you pick it. For me, I pick and choose. But um, going back to this as Meg, there was talking about the YouTube and mm-hmm. everything and about working now for, like, YouTube stars. And yes. they're, like, kids. And you're, like, what have you what have you done? And, like, now you're finding yourself opening up for them. And you're, like, whoa, this is wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that we manifest our reality. And after that movie, I got a call that was, like, hey, why don't you come down for an audition? And I was, like, okay. Read the script looked up who was cast i was like i don't know who these people are like whatever and so i was like let me just go down and Mm -hmm. i went down was down the street did the audition and a couple hours later they're like you booked it they want you to do the the film it just works two days and i'm like great i'm not working right now awesome let's do it and i show up to the set all youtube stars i was like are you kidding i didn't know who anybody (laughs) was i was like oh my god and constant with the Oh, right. they, and they have special cameras too. They have these little like these things that automatically go up to YouTube, and it's like, and just everything is constant. I'm like, dude, just put it away for a second. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be like on all the time. It's like like improvisers when you hang out with improvisers. Always like, <laughs> wacky, I'm wacky. Look at me, I'm doing a bit. You know, you're like, shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but enough about Will Sasso. Yeah. <laughs> Love Will, come on! Actually, he, I, no, I only mentioned him because he was one of the people that I like had a newfound appreciation of, thanks to uh, the short-lived Vine. Yes, uh, because he was very active on Vine, and I was like, you know, I don't think that TV gave him enough of a shake. Yeah, he's, he's a he's funny. a true comedy star. He's funny. But I like rediscovered his comedy through Vine. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not funny. Vine went away, but yeah. then but, but now it still stays. Well, but now it's all like Insta stories. And- it is Insta stories, but like Twitter, I don't. I like. I'm trying so hard to get active, but everyone's so mean and angry on mm. Twitter, and I'm. I'm Those not, are the Russians. Is that? Is that Those <laughs> are the Russians. <laughs> it's just like I hate this. I hate this. Blah. And then you'll see so many people like, and there's a cat, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> okay. Well, suppose so. You have this new hour. Yes. Your first stand-up special. I suppose you've got to be on to promote that, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Which is so exciting because so many years of doing comedy. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I'm doing my one hour. Like, and I was watching Sarah Silverman's that last one at Largo. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact she had like 38 people in the audience or something like that. And it's about the jokes and that's what it was about. And so at the time coming off of this is Meg, um, I still had my, my crew and I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to call the Hollywood Improv um, because I love them over there. I'm close to them, and they have that room now. It's the oh, lab. Wow. And and I knew, like, visually what I wanted to be very simple set. And I said, let me get this material out. You know, it's been – I've had little specials here and there. I had a Hulu special and a Showtime special, but they were, like, 20 minutes. And right. so I was like – I'm going to just produce it because in the past, the hours that the people that have come to me that said, I want to do your hour, the money was just terrible. And they wanted to own the rights and everything like that. So you're just like, ah, and then it got to a point where like, I don't want to wait anymore. Um, And so I was like, let's just do it. And we did. And it was, it was really special because it was so intimate and um, it just felt good to get that all out, that material. And now that it's done, I'm writing the next hour and it's so fast writing because my POV is so strong now. Um, So I'm having so much fun as this, you know, more wiser instead of all about dating, it's not anymore. And I'm so happy I got to dump all that dating stuff and hopefully educate some people that they won't make the same choices and laugh about it. But um, yeah, a huge part of it is about dating in Los Angeles and Mm -hmm. all these and really interesting characters that have come into my life. <laughs> so so now that this is out, do you have your goals changed? I know you said you're you're already in the process of writing a new hour. Mm-hmm. Have your goals changed in terms of like what you want to do next? Um you know, it's constantly it's constantly in flux. Mm-hmm. The ultimate goal has remained the same since I was three years old. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's to be, it's to, to be at that status of, um, the Oscar status of, I want to have, even if I'm 108, I'm still going to be trying to get there. You know, it's like, here she comes. I'm like, thank you guys. And then just die right there on stage that, you know, that would be, That's a power that would be really a first, wouldn't yeah. it? So, <laughs> um, but so the ultimate goal has remained the same, but um, I've gone more into producing and writing. Um, and because I found that because of we've gone digital, um, we're able to create more content um, on our own. And I have all these amazing, talented friends around me that I want to create like a company like Adam Sandler, where we're always constantly working and uh, just busting out great scripts and making it happen. Um, I, I love the creative process. I love all these minds coming together. I love being a female producer on set and the guy's looking at me and going, uh, so what do you think, Jilly? You know, I love that feeling um, because as just an actress, you're kind of at um, other people's mercy. And I love being on camera. I love diving into characters and I love all that stuff, but I also love the, the business aspect of it as mm-hmm. well. Um and uh, so, yeah, so it's the journey has changed in a sense where I'm more hands on. Um, it's exhausting, but it's also really exciting at the same time, you know, and maybe in the future, I'll just want to be an actress, you know, it's like, I'll just show up, you know, <laughs> just tell me what to do. I'll show up. But right now it is definitely um, it's cool. Yeah, I like it. Well, Jilly. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank oh, you for we sitting. Are we talking that long? Oh, thank my you, gosh. Thank you for sitting still for the entire 45 thank minutes. Thank you. Well, I kind of jer- <laughs> moved around a bit. They don't have to know that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Last <laughs>
This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.